Are you listening to the award-winning CBJRadio.com yet? 28 different shows, over 55 hours of new programming every week. Shows range from hip-hop, to rock, to all independent artists, to hair rock, a Friday night request show and many more. Get yourself a CBJ Radio t-shirt and make CBJRadio.com the only internet radio station you listen to. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Plaskerud. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. Hello, friends. How you doing? Man, it's been a while since our last podcast. I don't think I'm running out of friends. I'm just running out of people who want to be on the podcast. So if you're a friend of mine, you're listening to this show and I've contacted you, let me know you'll be on the podcast and we'll do an interview. Now, I turn 49 in about 15 days from the release of this episode. I look at the last 10 years and I think, where did they go? What did I do with my life in those years? Now, Facebook kind of helps me out from time to time with those, you know, memories to look back on. I think about all the great technology that came into my life from the time of growing up as a little kid with four TV channels, maybe five if you turn those rabbit ears. If you're you're as old as me, you know what rabbit ears are. And... uh, now it's just endless channels, streaming services. I'm just amazed how far we've come with technology. And I'm a bit of a TV nerd as well. And uh, I pay attention to the production of the programs, how it's filmed and edited, the camera uh, angles and the storylines. It's just amazing to me. It's just amazing to me how much technology has changed since I was a kid. And don't get me started on the evolution of computers and cell phones. Wow, man. All right, today's guest is Kyle Scheiber, and uh, I definitely learned a lot about Kyle in this episode from him growing up in Fort Collins to becoming it, man, a snow powder hound. Plus, I learned a few terms and sayings as well. You will hear me point them out in the episode. So let's get to that interview. Well, I always had a joke when we were young that, you know, settlers coming across the plains got to Fort Collins and saw the mountains. And we're like, no, nah, no, nah, this is good right here. Yeah. This is where we're going to stay. And uh, I, I don't know if that's true for my parents, but uh, my mom came from Massachusetts and my dad came from Michigan and they met in Fort Collins or in yeah, the Fort Collins area, Boulder area and uh, stayed. Were they like attending school or like, I mean, everybody loves Colorado, I guess. So they all come there. It seems like my dad was, and my mom was not. So, yeah. And, uh, are you the only child? Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. I've got an older brother. He's like two and a half years older. Um, so growing up as a kid, were you that like, were you guys really tight or were you that little brother where he was like, go do your own thing? Go to your own thing. Or are you guys tight? So, yeah, I do have a brother, but I was kind of raised more like an only child because okay. my parents divorced when I was like three years old. Oh. And my brother went and lived with my dad and I stayed and lived with my mom. And uh, 
so we saw each other like um he had, they actually moved to illinois so wow. we only see him like you know a couple times a year yeah so no we were not tight i got um, gotcha. you know we keep in touch now but uh still not like the kind of siblings that talk all the time <laughs> uh yeah my my parents divorced when i was like six so i understand i was a very young age um but my sibling i had an, have an older sister uh, a stepsister that came after my uh, parents divorced and then i have a uh younger sister uh who's the daughter of my stepdad and mom who and my age differences my oldest sister six years older than me my stepsister three and my youngest sister is 11 years younger than me oh man i'm the only boy and so like uh um it was interesting growing up uh i idolized my older sister till about uh 12 years old and then i found hip-hop music and she wasn't went into it so we kind of went our separate ways um and i was just getting bigger and stronger and can fight back because she used to <laughs> kick my ass when i was little and uh but she influenced me in a lot of ways um but there was definitely a time period where she was like no we're not hanging out anymore like go the <laughs> like no good and that was probably when she got to high school which was okay with me but being the only boy i kind of had that that childhood that my own childhood because the age differences but i wasn't another girl i was just a boy um a different curfews i had to do different chores all that stuff so kind of identify with my own kind of growing up nobody was trying to play with my toys or, or wear my clothes as much growing up because i was the only boy my little sister got some of my clothes later but um I didn't get to know my stepsister that well because we moved to Wyoming when I was 13. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'd not, we'd grown up a bit in those first couple of years, uh, but I didn't get to know her from 13, you know, through high school and college. And now we're, we're in contact. My siblings are in contact, but we live all over the place. One sister lives in Texas. The other lives in Washington state. My little sister lives in Las Vegas where my parents live, where my mom and stepdad live. Um, but we see each other probably once, twice a year, um, communicate now and then. My little sister and I probably talk the most because she's a 49ers fan. And so we talk about sports and stuff that way. But uh, we oh, went nice. to uh, Raiders 49ers on New Year's Day in Las Vegas this year. It was fun. It was oh, cool. Yeah. And so as a kid, all, you know, living with your mom growing up, what were you into as a kid? Were you academically inclined? Athletics were your thing? in plays playing instruments oh man what did i do as a kid seems so long ago these days yeah. um yeah so i like i played piano oh wow um i don't know if i was musically inclined but uh, it was something i did played soccer like every american kid does and yep. never really was good at it or passionate about it um I, I wasn't into academics, I guess, uh, but that kind of disappeared when I hit puberty, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, God, what was I into? <laughs> I can't even tell you what I used to do. Well, I was, I growing up, I'm probably, God, probably a good 10 years older than you, maybe. Um, I, I was Star Wars. Like, that was my first memory as toys. Then G.I. Joe came along. That was my jam for a while. Um, oh, yeah. We recently moved houses, so I pulled a bunch of stuff out of storage. 
um, that was in our old house. And I was like, I thought there were things in there, more Star Wars stuff that it wasn't. It's a lot more G.I. Joe stuff, but um, I just don't want to open the box because I don't want to know what I didn't keep from those oh. days. <laughs> yeah, I was just kind of like, it's fooling myself uh, to think I have more than I did because I've since, I mean, I, everyone knows I'm a Star Wars fan. So my family sends me Star Wars collectibles. Uh, behind me, I have like shelves of it. And, and so... Um, I even got a book. My older sister gave me a book on looking up all the collectibles you have. And I'm like, I'm not going to have any of these. Uh, and I have one good buddy that's been recollecting a lot of stuff. Um, he will spend money on like eBay and all that to get the old school Star Wars stuff. So that, that is interesting. Um, I played soccer like you. Um, but I, that's probably when I learned I was a little bit athletically inclined. It was reasonable at soccer. But I quit playing soccer in sixth grade to watch cartoons. That was <laughs> like that was my goal. But then ended up going out for wrestling that year, and I don't know why. I want to smack my you know 12, 12 year old self in the head because I was not good at wrestling. I was not like it was not <laughs> my thing. Um, I did it for a couple years because I thought that's what football players would do: go wrestle. Until I got to my like freshman year of high school and. There was a ski team, and I was like, that "Okay," because I grew up skiing on Mount Hood in Oregon, and and so I was like, "That's what I'm about." And skied, raced in high school and stuff. It was my second sport. It was to keep me in shape. Um, maybe one really good successful year, but skiing against people that that was their sport, and they competed all year long. And Jackson skiers, and I mean, there was an amazing talent out there. I was probably hell enough because i was athletically inclined to probably do the things i could do but i was not good as the number one skiers and stuff i was probably a six seed at best and uh but it was fun i really enjoy it i haven't skied in a long time I'm worried about getting injury because i had a major injury at the end of my senior year and uh i i skied after that but it was in pain and let more i get away from it the more i'm like yeah I will probably hurt myself nowadays. So I'm good. I'm good holding out on that. And, uh, but yeah, that was, I mean, growing up, you know, those were the kind of things I was into. And then I moved to Wyoming and it's a whole different new world. Uh, did you stay in Fort Collins throughout your, your schooling here through high school? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, moved around. I think I went to every single elementary school in town. <laughs> I did yeah. the math one time and I think we moved on average, once every year my entire childhood but yeah stayed in Fort Collins the whole time um now that you mentioned skiing yeah I started skiing maybe when I was like five years old okay, yeah and then by the time I was like eight I picked up snowboarding uh -huh. I never was competitive with it because there really wasn't like a snowboard team or anything like yeah. that but that is some a sport that kind of followed me all through my life to be honest yeah still snowboarding to the day I went snowboarding this morning. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. I remember when my buddies picked it up when we were skiers and um, he would get mad because he was like, I can never go as fast as you. I was like, I weigh like 40 pounds heavier than you. My skis are fucking gigantic. So yeah, I'm <laughs> flying. That's my goal. <laughs> yep. And I was like, I can't cut as fast as you on a snowboard. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> so <laughs> and oh, the powder is where it really excels. Yeah. Or you're just floating on top of it. Oh, I couldn't believe the skiing I'd done in Mount Hood where you would hit powder and you better be flying because the wet, the snow is so wet. 
Mm-hmm. I go here, and the first time I hit pounder, I, I was like, braced myself for impact and just flew through it and was like, oh, this I understand. <laughs> Yeah, this I get. People are so addicted to this sport. Yeah, Yeah. I get. I was like, you couldn't get me out of deep powder after that. I was like, this is what I'm about because it was like skiing a cloud. Yeah, it wasn't as brutal as the hard, wet snow of of Mount Hood that we get. Where I was like, ah, that was rough. Uh, There's like a a pivotal moment in my childhood that I think. Uh, I was on like a jungle gym or something like that. And it was yeah. right after a big snowstorm. I remember like losing my footing and falling backwards and just landing flat on my back on the ground and like thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be hurt. But it was such like light, fluffy snow that it was just yeah. like, I laid there for a second. I was like, I want to do that again. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> I can fall from up there and like not even get hurt. Like, I'm going to go. Jump off intentionally this time. So, yeah, that, that kind of, like, sparked my love of snow and the ability to just, like, huck off of things and not even worry about where you're landing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember one of our last races in, not in high school, and uh, we were skiing the tram run at Jackson. And it was all our best skiers from Laramie High School. And, like it was one of the most amazing experiences because there was cliffs and everything and we're just flying off of it and nobody's stopping. It's just go. <laughs> Cause everybody can keep up. There's mm-hmm. no, like you got to turn around for your, see if your friend made it. You just, you expected him to. Right. And got down to the bottom and my, I mean, for being in shape at the time, I, my legs were burning. I think I slept so hard on the way back, but it was, it was amazing to yeah jump in the powder and, and ski with just amazing skiers at the time. And even our coach was a badass skier. And he was getting it done. He was keeping up and, and standing. I remember a few times he would, we'd go out, we'd be going off jumps, like at a ski meet or something afterwards. And he'd go off it and do like a fucking helicopter or like, <laughs> I'm like, how do I follow that? Like, I got it right. right. Our old coach. Like, well, that's why he's the coach, is yeah. he knows more than all of us. <laughs> yeah, our old coach is doing, and I got to pull out my A game. Um, but uh, academics to me were never, it was just whatever I can do to do sports, which is weirdly enough because my dad's a teacher, my stepdom's a teacher, my stepdad worked at the University of Wyoming as an instructor too, but there wasn't this. They were like, you're going to college, but there wasn't like, you have to get straight A's all the time. There was just do well enough not to play sport. Like, I know you love sports so much, so don't screw that up for yourself. Yeah. did that, And I didn't see, I was like, well, I'm going to do whatever it takes. So whatever ACT, SAT I got to take to go play college football, I'll do that. Whatever it takes to do, that's what I thought I was going to end up doing. And hindsight as i walk up and down stairs and sound like a popcorn machine from all the sports <laughs> i did i was like maybe i should have spent more time in my brain like learned, <laughs> like going back um but it just didn't it was it didn't occur to me and also moving to laramie when i was 13 um i hated the place i was not a big fan i grew up in a suburb of portland oregon and uh so i'm sure like I was did a lot of why bother doing schoolwork or why why bother man yeah. this place sucks you know did not oh man years down the line well yeah I'm sure 
Fort Collins seemed a lot cooler than Laramie back then, but even us kids down in Fort Collins were like, man, this place sucks. Yeah. As soon as I graduate, I'm out of here, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a universal uh, human condition right there. <laughs> you get to be a teenager. Oh, and I, when I go back to look at my former hometown, Gresham, Oregon, I mean, it's changed ex- extremely and it changed a lot when I moved. Um it's not the same. I can't, I don't glorify it as much as I used to. Um, I feel it, it's a whole different vibe now than when I lived there. And so um, sometimes it's hard. I mean, when I visit, I, my dad doesn't live too far from the hometown and I'll go see old places. But after a while, I'm just like, man, am I that guy just living on past memories? Like move on <laughs> my friend things. This place has moved on. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I used to go and, I didn't, I thought I was going to move back, uh, after I, I'd been in New York. Well, gosh, that's way in the future, but I graduated college, went and worked in New York, a TV station, and then got a job at the university of Wyoming. And when I moved back to Laramie in 2003, I was like five years and then I'm going back to Oregon. It's year 19 going into year 20. <laughs> um, it didn't happen. It was, uh, and, but I mean, life circumstances keep you places, uh, following the money, yeah. working up, you know, food chain. And I promised myself when I moved back that I was going to do things that I didn't do when I was in high school and college and I had the money to do them. So I went to a whole lot more concerts, traveled around yeah. things out. Um, yeah, it was very open-minded to living back in, uh, middle America, as I like to call it. And so, <laughs> um you said Laramie's an interesting place man it's it's kind of like like if you go east from laramie at all it's definitely like the midwest plains yeah but it's not it doesn't really fit in with the midwest but it's not quite like colorado mountains it's a it's a unique little place and you know uh i think a lot of people like have only heard of laramie through the whole matthew shepherd thing and like that's not a good description of Laramie at all. It's a pretty interesting and diverse and progressive for Wyoming, at least place. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I couldn't live in any other city in, in Wyoming or town than Laramie um, because of all that, everything you just said, um, the energy of Laramie being a college town mm-hmm. is, is addictive, even though you may, as you get older in this town, you may not want to hang out with all that energy, but it's great to have around. Oh, yeah. I noticed when I'd go out in other cities and such, um, I'd be at bars and it was sad. It was a lot of old people like me drinking their sorrows away. Not a bunch of college <laughs> kids going down. And so it's just like, like had their whole lives ahead of them. And they yeah. just like so much promise and future. <laughs> yeah, and it just recycles in Laramie. Mm-hmm. It just recycles that, that young man. <laughs> so I've enjoyed and, and, and working education is great. Um, but yeah. And also like every once in a while, people are like, we should go to the mountains. And I'm like, we are in the mountains. Just yeah. Like really? Which, I'm like, which one? Like which literally one? any direction <laughs> you're going to hit mountains. Yeah. yeah. I was like, look around us. We're in a valley, but we had to climb some mountains to get here. Yeah, like, right? yeah. So yeah, we're there. Just point which one and we'll go. And so. Uh, oh yeah. You know, <laughs> that's one of the reasons I left Colorado was that uh, it just kind of got overrun with so many people that all do the same things as me like all the trailheads all the ski areas everything was just so busy and laramie's kind of a sleeper like don't tell anybody but 
it's kind of a sleeper in that sense that you like you got world class rock climbing and mountain biking ten minutes up I eighty. Yeah, you know you don't even have to like drive up a big mountain pass or anything. And then you got the little ski area, you know, snowy range just on the other direction. If you want a bigger ski area, you got Steamboat, you got Winter Park. Like you get there the back way without hitting I seventy or anything like that. Like it's it's pretty well um, located for mountain activities, really. Yeah. I I have some friends that live in Fort Collins, and they had some friends that are like, "Hey, you guys are from Wyoming. Have you ever heard of this ski area named Snowy Range?" And they're both from Laramie, and they're like, "Oh, we're familiar. We're very familiar." Yep. Yep. Jeep, like, let's go up there. It's a good ride. And I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, because yeah, we're up on it. And so, but they thought it was so funny that they thought, you know, this Colorado person thought it was this little, you know, hidden gem. And I'm like, they're like, yeah, we grew up there. We got you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, probably because, you know, lift tickets get so expensive. So, yeah. You know, Snow Range, you probably could take your whole family and everything and not bust a bank. Right. And I think that's a really cool resource for kids who grew up there that they could have like a ski team, like even yeah. living in Col- in Fort Collins, like we couldn't have a ski team because you'd have to drive, you know, two plus hours to get to a ski area. And like, you can't do that after school. Uh, my wife grew up in Casper and same thing. They got a little Hogadon right yeah. outside town. And like, it's just such a great resource for, for local kids. I think, like you said, it doesn't have to be huge and fancy, but like, affordable and uh you know accessible we would um once or twice a week they would load us up in the bus go up snow range and then we'd get one free lift ticket ride and then it was well for physical endurance it was hike it up oh yeah we set a course and you'd ski down it and hike up to the top and keep doing it until it went got dark and Mm -hmm. uh i mean some of the conversations of hiking back up were still my favorite because we had a lot of foreign exchange students and and as you're nice. just like you know both struggling with all your gear to climb up back the side of the hill crap yeah so yeah it was it was it was fun i mean that we were fortunate to have that ski area so close um and and we still a little buttload of dry land training like ah, i play a lot of soccer again for all our dry <laughs> land training but I used to make the soccer players mad that were on our team that played soccer because I knew how to slide tackle and I'm a big dude. So it didn't always, you know, work out for them well. And, <laughs> and they're like, you should have played soccer. I was like, hell no, dude, that's too much running for me. Oh, yeah. I was like, I can do this for a little bit, but I not, no, I respect mad respect to soccer players. That's a lot of running. And, and such um endurance it's a special that, breed yeah. <laughs> i'm not of that breed <laughs> no, no I, I was more of a sprinter and quick movement because of football i got to they move me along the line and pull and hit guys and yeah not these this endurance game no that wasn't my that wasn't my jam never has been i'm good with it uh but respect the people that can like yeah absolutely. we had one guy on my i remember on my football team my freshman year of high school he ended up being a cross country runner later was like, oh man, I love football. I just love all the running. And I was like, no football player says that. <laughs> you didn't get into football for the yeah. running. Yeah, I want to hit people. Like, <laughs> running, I get why we do it because endurance, but 
go run cross country. You will have much more fun. And he even did and get at it. And I was like, see, no football player <laughs> says they like it for all the running. Nobody, no yeah. football player says ever. Just said. when you start running, the ref ends the play and you got to start go. all over again. Uh, reset. Like, well, I, I just, I mean, I guess maybe if you're a wide receiver going for a Hail Mary every single play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, the only person he runs, and then those wide receivers be pissed off because you make them run deep routes. Yeah, every play, like every time. Yeah, if they, I'm not getting the ball on that play. This is worthless to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, high school, you said you, you got a little uh, off the educational beaten path because of puberty and everything. Um, yeah. So you you talked a little bit about your family's connection to education um so yeah like i said i was kind of raised by a single mom and she um interestingly she started college the same week that i started kindergarten oh and so she was going to college the whole time i was growing up and eventually went on to get her phd and um so obviously, you know, education was really important to her, but, um, like, kind of like you said, it wasn't like, uh, you must get all A's. It was kind of like, I know you can do this. Why are you slacking off? You know? <laughs> yes. I understand that one. I did have the, the advantage of like some of that stuff just came really easy to me. So I knew how to like do just enough to get by, you know? <laughs> Were you like any any clubs or organizations in high school? Did you play sports or anything like that either? No, I was very disconnected from high school. Okay. I was like, I don't want to say I was like too cool for school, but I was just like mm, not into being a high school student. No small part that our high school had one of the worst mascots in the history of high school mascots. And we actually made like the Letterman top 10 list, the Fort Collins High Lambkins. Lambkins? Yeah. So you got a sheep. And that, I mean, I guess if you had yeah. like a ram with like the, the horns, maybe that's like a tough mascot. But no, we're not going to do a ram. We're going to do a sheep, but not just a sheep. We're going to do a baby sheep. <sighs> we're going to do a lamb. But but the word lamb is still too aggressive. Let's go with lambkin. Lambkin. <laughs> I don't know if that word exists anywhere else in the English language, but uh, it's one of the worst possible mascots. So I never really identified as a lambkin. Yeah, I, 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 I saw I, myself. <laughs> I understand that one. I definitely <laughs> understand that one. Um, were, you, were you working in high school? Did you get a job right away or are you just... Yeah, I guess I did like some landscaping, nothing like career path oriented um telemarketing Uh, again kind of just like bare minimum sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean i i was more into the social scene and you know my um so so my dad and my brother moved back from illinois to fort collins when i was in like junior high oh wow and um so my brother had been getting in trouble for, you know, drugs and partying. And that might have been one of the reasons they moved back. But, uh, um, you know, I kind of took some keys from him. Like, older brother thought he was super cool. And, like, oh, hey, I want to try all that. So that's kind of the path I went rather than <laughs> working or 
um, clubs or academics or sports or any of that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I probably got myself, well, athletics I did because I thought it was my ticket out of Laramie. Um, I, in high school, I got involved with DECA, which was a marketing group um, mm-hmm. club. Um, and I, I've told the story on the podcast before, but um, in ninth grade, because our high school was uh, sophomore, junior, senior, freshman were junior high. And right. uh, so in ninth grade, they would have people come from the the classes, the the groups, the college group clubs, and talk to your class about joining them when you got to high school. And mm-hmm. there was these two girls. They're really, really good looking. <laughs> we're talking about DECA. Funny how that helps. Yeah. And I was like, I'm in. I have no idea what it's about, but I'm in. And yeah. I, I I got to into DECA and they had graduated. They were seniors. I was like, oh, man. Um, Beat and switch, man. Beat and switch. <laughs> I got, I got host. And, uh, but I, I took like marketing and then like advanced marketing. And I eventually was the president of our club when I was a senior which was the only like office I held like in school government or anything like that ever. I'd ran for more many, but that was the only one that I ever held. And my whole cabinet was all females. So, and, and they're good looking gals too. So it, it paid yeah. off and um, nice. it eventually paid off. Cause uh, my senior year uh, you were doing, project on set up a business in laramie you really had no budget you just had to do research and and stuff and i would be able to check myself out of school and be like i'm going to do research and uh, <laughs> would have like a two-hour lunch and i had like a serious girlfriend so yeah there was there was fun to be had during the lunchtime right and, uh yeah and my like my senior probably made me come around to liking laramie a little bit because class load was pretty easy um mm-hmm. had a serious girlfriend i was varsity athlete um, it was the end of being in high school. Little I know it was going to be at the University of Wyoming and still remain in Laramie. <laughs> but my parents were like, uh, you're going to go, you know, live in the door. You're going to live a college life. You're not living at home. And we'll pay for your tuition. And they paid for like room and board to a point. And they're like, you got to pay for your rent. You got to like, you'll live college life. Um, we're here for you if you need us. Mm-hmm. My mom's like, always be your mom. And then she worked on campus too. So I would see her and she was the best because she worked with other students. And so I'd go into her office and she'd be like, are you going to that party on like Clark street tonight? And I was like, I am now. I am now. She's like, the girls are talking about it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure she wouldn't have relayed the same information to my sisters, but being a boy paid off in those moments. She was like, oh yeah. And, uh, but I, um, was college always like a consideration? Like were you, were you, since your mom was in school, it was like you're going to college when you're done with high school. Was that the thing, or was were you just like that's what I want to do? Yeah. So, um, no, no, college was not always a given. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I was, I was, you know, ac- academically proficient at least, yeah. if not a little gifted, and like it was clear that I could probably do pretty well in college, but, um, I didn't get the grades in, uh, high school to really, um, definitely not to get a scholarship and, you know, single mom wasn't paying for my college. So, um, yeah. So I, when I graduated, I did not go to college. I just 
got a job and stayed in Fort Collins. And um, yeah, I mean, growing up in a college town, you don't need to be going to college <laughs> to do all of the fun parts of college, yes. right? Like, yes. like you said, I knew where the parties were when I was in high school. I didn't yeah. even, you know, and uh, um, yeah. And so I stuck around Fort Collins for like two years after high school and just worked crappy jobs and just hung out and chased girls and went to parties and, you know, got it out of my system. And I think I was better for it because by the time I did go to college, it wasn't just like, oh, that's what you do after high school. It was like, no, I'm ready to be done working for minimum wage and do something better with my career path here because Jiffy Lube isn't going to cut it forever, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, then at that point, I'm like I said, um, really always loved snowboarding and, um, uh, so yeah, I went, I wanted to move to steamboat and, um, they have Colorado mountain college there, which is basically a community college, but, um, I was able to knock off some like prereq kind of classes, but, and also snowboard all the time. Um, so I guess like kind of back up a little bit when I was in like fifth grade, my mom got breast cancer <sighs> and like almost died, but she was able to like fight through it and it went into remission for several years. Um, and when I was in high school, I kind of bounced back and forth between her house, and my dad's house. She moved to Hawaii for a while. She moved to California. And then, like, right around the time that I graduated high school, it came back and, like, had spread to her bones, and, you know, and it was, wasn't was looking great. Um, and so that was, like, snowboarding was one thing that, like, really helped me cope with that. You know, it's like um, when you have uh, siblings and two parents and all that, like, um for me growing up with just me and a single mom, like that was my entire immediate family. Right. So that was pretty tough to like, as a young adult to kind of like deal with. And, um, so like getting that, um, nature, I guess now the term is forest bathing, but, uh, like being out in nature, getting that physical exercise yeah. was really positive for me through that time. And, um, so yeah, like moving to Steamboat and going, you know, going to college and like, um, sort of living up to, cause like I said, she always was like, yeah, you're definitely going to college. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to start down this road of college and also do this thing that like keeps me from fucking losing my mind, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that was kind of a, a big part of how I ended up in steamboat and because I'd taken those two years off between high school, I actually took college really seriously. I was paying for it. You know, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to exactly. waste this money. So I ended up getting like straight A's and getting on like the national honor roll and like mm. president's list and all the things. And then I did get a scholarship to go to university of Wyoming. So, um, that's pretty much the only <laughs> reason I was able to pay for college. Hey, hard work, man. Pay is off. And uh, yeah. got to ski a little bit, a lot of it. A um, lot of it. And that was, yeah. yeah. Even once I got to UW, I, you know, uh, joined the ski patrol out at Snowy Range and did that 
pretty much the entire time I was in Wyoming. So, um, you know, I understand like doing physical activities, um, uh, get you if you something's on your mind or you know something a lot of the issues in life are weighing you down or whatever the, doing this physical activity nature bathing which that's the first time i ever heard that one um <laughs> forest bathing uh, man you should forest try it. bathing there you go it'll change uh, your life um you you really become mindful of the moment um being out or just not dying as i was like i'll be on a treadmill or, or running and be like just you got to breathe I'm not thinking about all these other things. This is the mind. This is what I'm into. This is what's going on right now. When I get off this thing, we can readdress those issues. But for now, I'm mindful. You're lucky enough to be out in nature and the forest and doing that. Um, I noticed when later on in life, when I would go to the, I'd go to the gym and now we have elliptical here that those, that's what happens. I shut off the world focused on the breathing and, and being mindful in the moment. And when I get done, then we can let life live again and think about those things, but just don't die on the elliptical. That's why I was like, just don't die on the elliptical. Don't just overextend yourself. And, and I ended up doing, I've done some warrior dashes, which I never oh, nice. in a million years thought I would do those things. And uh, it's, it was, we did one at, uh, they're both at, where were they? Breckenridge. Yeah. Um, but I never thought I would do that. But once it's that moment again of this shot off the world and try to survive at 10,000 feet when I've been smoking cigarettes and drinking at 7,000 feet. <laughs> yeah, right. um, yeah. I mean, I did get in some shape to do them, but um, yeah, I, I, there's pictures I still look at today and I'm like, I'm smiling in, in a few pictures and I'm like, wow, I was thinking there, you know? Are you are you familiar with the different types of fun? No, what is it called? Okay, so there's three types of fun. Then there's type one fun, and and I'm paraphrasing somebody else. This isn't yeah. my concept. I'd love to take credit for it, but I'm not. Um, so type one fun, and I think the way he described it was things like uh, powder skiing or sex <laughs> is type one fun. It's okay. like fun fun, like yeah. fun that you would like to do. And then there's type two fun, which is like something that isn't fun at the time. But when you look back on it, you you think about it fondly and you would consider doing it again, you know, and it sounds like that warrior dash is kind of the yeah. type two fun of like, it was really tough at the time. And I was probably thinking about quitting, but when I got done, like that sense of accomplishment and looking back on it, like, yeah, that was pretty cool. And like, if it was type one fun, it wasn't like fun, fun, yeah. but it was, it was a good experience. And then, so then there's type three fun, which is not fun at all it's miserable at the time it was miserable looking back on it and you would never do it again <laughs> that's that's type three fun so when you're out having one of those you know epic adventures and you're like nah, we're like pushing two and a half here <laughs> this is, this is yeah. type 2.9 fun we're having right now i don't know how i'm gonna feel about this tomorrow but it's surprising like how miserable you can make yourself and then wake up the next morning and be like actually that was pretty cool right yeah that is that is true that is true. i'm gonna have to, i'm gonna use that stuff um the three types of fun that's good that's good stuff i've learned so much in the podcast forest bathing three types of fun um so when you came to the university of wyoming uh what were you did you have a major in mind what you're going to study uh coming into the university yeah i've always been super business minded and so i started off 
at Colorado Mountain College focusing on business classes and um, really excelled in it, really excelled in economics, um, really just like picked economics up and really like to this day, I just love thinking about economics and like how economic systems work and how we could make small tweaks and what those tweaks would cause because particularly, I mean, um, it's, it's really interesting subject because microeconomics is pretty intuitive for a lot of people. You know, how would you, I mean, even for like a teenager, you're like, okay, you're going to start like a lawn mowing business or like a uh, driveway shoveling snow business. Right. And like, this is how much you have to charge to pay all your expenses and pay yourself. And like, that's just basic microeconomics. But when you start talking about macroeconomics, it, everything goes out the window and it's pretty interesting stuff. How you like, can do some stuff that's totally counterintuitive and have like this effect on society as a whole. And so when we start looking at like what's good and bad about our society, a lot of that can be traced back to some of these decisions that we've made about our economy. And that's just like such a um, intriguing topic to me. And so, yeah, I got, I started off doing business classes at Colorado mountain college. And then that was just like, an obvious choice when I got to University of Wyoming, um, really excelled in, in those classes and, you know, got fumbled my way through the rest. Um, did pretty good in college. Um, again, I really like kind of molded my life around snowboarding still. Um, so I would like, so I was on scholarship and I had to get a minute, I had to like stay full time but I wanted, like, I had to get at least 12 credits per year, I think it was, uh, or per semester. But I wanted to take the spring semester off every every year because that's when the snowboarding was good, you know? So, like, starting Christmas break through April, like, I don't want to be in class. I only want to be snowboarding. And so I would take, like, one or two classes in spring semester and then just make up those hours in the summer semester. Oh, yeah. So I took summer classes every single year and every single year I would have this argument with the people down at the administration building. They're like, you're going to, we're going to take away your scholarship. You're not, you're not a uh, full time this spring. And I was like, yeah, but look what happened last year. I wasn't full time in the spring and I made it up in the summer and I stayed full time for the year. And every year I made it work, you know? So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I saw like an ad that was like, uh, free ski patrol training if you volunteer for the ski patrol. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So I totally signed up for that and, um, you know, got like the medical training. And then once I was volunteering for the patrol, I was like one of the only snowboarders on the patrol. And they didn't even have anybody that could like teach me how to pull a toboggan with a snowboard. But we just kind of went out and practiced it until I got good at it. And uh, yeah, and then that introduced me to a there's like a backcountry ski patrol so like they're a ski patrol that's not affiliated with any ski resort and it operates in cameron pass down across the border in colorado so like between walden and fort collins there's that mountain pass there and so that i got introduced to a lot of the guys on that patrol and that's where i got like my avalanche training and search and rescue training and um more of that backcountry oriented kind of stuff. Um, and that was 
definitely something, you know, like by the end of college, I knew I wanted to do something in business, but really my passion was about snowboarding and, and being out in the, the woods in the winter. And, uh, so, you know, I had to do like a, um, a internship for my degree. And I, there's this little ski area outside Denver called echo mountain. And I, I wanted to do a, a business internship with them, but they only had a couple spots. And of course I was competing with everybody from CSU, everybody from CU, everybody from DU and all the different schools in Colorado. And so the only way I was able to get my foot in the door was I'll, I'll volunteer for your ski patrol. If you let me do this, uh, internship, you know, and that was enough to get me in the door. And so that was a really cool experience. Um, I, I worked in their marketing department and like ran these like special events that were like big, the whole mountain is one giant terrain park. I don't know if it still is. I haven't oh, okay. looked at it in a while, but at that time it was one giant terrain park and it was like built to X Games standards. And so we were throwing like these really legit, uh, snowboard ski competitions. Um, that was like part of my internship and that was really fun. Um, it was also a pretty intense place to ski patrol. Because uh, you can imagine like people hucking themselves huge and it, you didn't have to be like a pro to buy a lift ticket there. Yep. So we had we saw some pretty nasty injuries and because it was so small, they had the whole thing lit up. So it was open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And so like that's a pretty intense shift yeah. as a ski patroller, like scraping some really injured people off of the slopes for 12 hours straight. Um, and I, I think at the time we had the year that I worked there, we had the same number of flight for life's helicopters come and land to like take a super injured person straight to the surgery because uh, an ambulance wasn't fast enough. We had the same number as Breckenridge did and Breckenridge is like a giant resort. Wow. So it wasn't that we had as, you know, like more as many injuries as Breckenridge had. It was just, we had a ton of really, really bad injuries. And so that was pretty uh, eye opening and, and honestly kind of like, I don't know if I'd go so far to say PTSD, but it was pretty hard for me to handle yeah, <laughs> at the yeah, end of that internship. I was like, mm, this isn't for me. But by then I was graduated and I had my business degree and I was like, no, I just want to go work in marketing for a ski resort. And now I've got the experience to do it. And so that's what I did. Oh, where'd you end up after that then? <laughs> so I graduated in the very best possible time to have a business finance degree. And that is 2008. <laughs> I was like about to say 2008, but yeah. Yeah. So a finance degree was pretty much worse than nothing at that moment. Um, and so, you know, any, any, uh, opportunity for like a really high paying job kind of went out the window. So like, why not just stick with what I know? And that's the ski industry. And so, yeah, I, I applied at lots of different ski areas and I spent that whole summer, like just traveling around and interviewing at all different places, which was like one of the coolest road trips I've ever done in my life. And, um, so it came down to these two mountains down in southern Colorado. One is Wolf Creek and one is Silverton. And um, Silverton is pretty unique because they only have one lift and everything is kind of hiked to from there. And they have zero groomed runs and it's guided only for part of the year because it's so dangerous. 
and um you really have to be like an expert skier just to go there oh. like there's no intermediate terrain at all and in order to work there you absolutely have to have all the skills that i'd spent you know my my time building in ski patrol and it was kind of it was a great interview because i you know i was going to be working in like the business and marketing end of things but basically everybody had to have avalanche training and and all of these skills and so i'm like i don't know i've never been there before i don't know what this guy's office is going to look like i don't know how to dress like how do you dress for an interview like this you don't want to show up in a suit and tie because then they're not going to take you seriously but you also like don't want to show up looking like a bum you know like where is that happy medium and so i pull up to this place and there is no office at all there's no building it's just like a like a refugee tent propped up and this is in the summertime so there was no snow but like their entire base area was just like one refugee tent and like a, all of their rental gear was in this bus that they just like parked next to the tent and that, that was their rental shop. And so this guy, the owner of the ski area, I show up and I'm like kind of milling around looking for this guy I'm supposed to interview with. And he comes like climbing down out of the bull wheel of the, the one lift that they had. <laughs> and he's like, you know, covered in grease and he's trying to fix his lift. And he's like, Oh yeah, I totally forgot. We have this interview today. <laughs> It went really well. They offered me the job, but the, you know, then the next day I drove over to Wolf Creek, which is kind of on the other side of the mountain range. And that one went really well too. And one of the things that this guy at Silverton told me <laughs> as a young man kind of swayed my decision. He was like, he was like, so you got a, a girl, like a serious girlfriend or anything? And I was like, no, I'm single. And he's like, you, you know, it's going to be really difficult being a single guy out in the woods like this, right? And I was like, that's a really good point. <laughs> I'm not going to get laid for like the whole year. And so I decided to go work for Wolf Creek. <laughs> good, good choice. And how long were you at Wolf Creek for? Uh, six years. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was it was a great experience. Um, they get the most; they have the record for getting the most snow in Colorado, and so it was a really just. If you like powder, that's the place to be, and I really like powder, so that was the place yeah, to be. Yeah. And in fact, so I started in December first, and in that month of December, the first month that I worked there, they got two hundred inches of snow in one month. And 150 of that came in just the last two weeks of the month. So that's like basically a foot a day for two weeks straight. Wow. And it didn't all come even like that. In fact, the I'll never forget this. So I one of my job duties was doing the snow report. And I really like, you know, getting up early, getting up there before, you know, there's any traffic on the pass. And then um you know, I'd have a couple hours to myself in the office before there was anything else going on. I could really focus on like getting some stuff done. And then once all the, you know, everybody else showed up, then it was kind of just putting out fires here and there. But um, so I drive up and it's like 430 in the morning. I'm driving up so I can get there to do the snow report. And the roads are really, really bad. But I'm a pretty confident snow and mountain driver at this point. I get there and we've had two feet of snow overnight. Since 4 p.m., it snowed two feet. It's like, man, that's a really good powder day. Like, this is the yeah. best powder day I've ever experienced in my entire life, or ever heard of. And so the, the it was still snowing. 
and the snow got so bad that they ended up closing the pass entirely. And so it was really just like me, a few employees and like, I don't know, maybe 20 customers that made it up there before they closed the road and none of us could leave because the road was closed. And so they had the, they had enough people there to run the lifts. And so my boss was like, yeah, we don't really need you to work today if you want to just go ski. And so I clocked out and just spent the whole day skiing this like chest deep snow with 20 people, you know, didn't get tracked out the whole day. And I just remember thinking like, man, I'm going to need to like go to Alaska or something to beat this. Like, how am I ever going to beat this experience right here? And it honestly, it wasn't uh, a unique experience for Wolf Creek. They have, they get, 100 inch storms on a regular basis i just saw their their you know twitter feed or whatever the other day they just came out of a 48 inch storm like over the last four or five days it's it's like wow and it's it's serious i mean we had advanced and expert skiers would fall or you know land in the snow and literally suffocate in snow like not even in an avalanche you just fall in the snow and it's four feet deep and like you can't get up and every year like at least one person would die and it was you know it's a serious place but also just like such a a great experience uh one race i had it was supposed to be in cody wyoming or there's hill but i didn't think i had enough snow so we went to red lodge montana mm-hmm. and i've not, heard good things never been get to it the night we got there it dumped like two feet Oh yeah. And it made for like not the greatest course. I right. had, I had my best race. Um but nobody was watching you because everybody was out skiing powder. <laughs> like like you'd be like usually the you know the sides of the courses are kind of packed especially good skiers, but they'd be like do my race off powder. Like yeah. it was like and I was guilty of that too. Yeah. Right. I a, yeah, I had one of my better races there. Um, because of the powder and stuff, because of, I mean, it made for a, a little bit of a slower co- course, but I was comfortable in it. And so, yeah. sweet. Um, but yeah, I remember like going down the course and used to having, you know, hearing your teammates or hearing people cheering or whatever. And there was nobody around besides maybe people watching the gates, but cause yeah. I was off skiing the powder, but like, who won? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. Cause it, you, it was hard to resist. Yeah, we you not we didn't get that in Laramie two feet of powder at Snow Range any time that I can remember. Um, oh, two foot drifts for sure. Yeah, drifts. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. You could, good old blowy range. <laughs> yeah, yes. And uh, so yeah, that was that was I understand. And well, if I skied again, I'd probably go down there and check out some powder. Uh, so you're there six years doing marketing work, skiing up, hopefully meeting the ladies because you avoided that other job. Um, yeah, it was still a pretty shallow dating yeah. pool. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the town I was living in, um, so there's there's no town or lodging or anything at the ski area. So you yeah. have to stay at the bottom of the pass on one side or the other. And I chose to stay on the least populated side of the pass for one reason. And that was because the other side of the pass had more avalanche terrain that crossed the highway and uh-huh. so during big storm cycles it was more likely to close on that side than it was on the side that i lived in but the town i lived in had maybe 300 people year round it yeah. was more of like a summer place but it was like retirees from texas would bring their rvs up 
and just like stay in the RV parks. So yeah, it was a pretty um, desolate place. It was like a truck stop, but like without a truck stop, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> like, not much there. The the one bar uh, was also a laundromat. <laughs> so you like you like go to do your laundry and like have a couple of drinks with the other you know groomers and lifties and then go home. Like there's. <laughs> Turns out there was no ladies there either. <laughs> and now I've had a few drinks but, and I have pink socks. Yeah, right. Or, yeah, there, there was definitely at least one time that I just like completely forgot my laundry and went home. And, wait, where's all my clothes? Oh, they're still in the washing machine. Ugh, suds. Good, good old suds. But um, I did end up meeting my now wife there, which is a, a fun story. So, um, so my job wasn't year round. It was, we would really gear up, you know, um, end of the summer, early fall, but then by like springtime, you're not going to, they weren't open for summer operations at all. So like, you're not marketing something as it's closing. We're like, yeah, we're really like dialing down the marketing department at that point. So, um, also I had the summers off basically every year. And so the first summer I went to Europe for like the entire summer and just like backpacked around. And that was a whole lot of fun. Um, and then I made some contacts. So how far down this uh, story should I go here? Um, as far as you want, meeting your girl. So, so I was, uh, was kind of like backpacking across the Alps. And um, I speak a little bit of German. I started in the German part of the Alps, like okay. in the German part of Switzerland, like uh, Zermatt. And I was backpacking over towards the French side and I speak some German, but I don't speak any French at all. Like, I don't even know how to say I don't speak French in French. Yeah. And so um, the further west I got, like the the more lonely it was really, because I'd like go into town and like barely be able to like buy food. But like there was certainly no like meaningful human interactions. And like, you know, after a couple of weeks of doing this, I was like, Okay, so I live in the mountains in the United States. Maybe I should, you know, go to a beach or something that I can't get when I get home, right? And so um, I asked some someone, and I was like, yeah, if you're going to go to the beach, where would you go? And they're like, San Sebastian, Spain is where I would go. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. So I just, like, jump on a train, get off the train in San Sebastian, Spain with my giant backpack, and I, you know, wander into the local little tourism office right next to the train station. I'm like, where can I find like a hostel for the night? And they just kind of laugh at me. And I'm like, and I, I don't get it. What's so funny? And they're like, today is the first day of Samana Grande. And I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And they're like, it's a week long festival that brings in like a million people to the city. And if you don't have lodging set up, you're toast. <laughs> There's no chance. And I'm like, well, that's cool. No, I've just, I came out of the mountains. I've got a tent. I've got a sleeping bag. I'm, I'm set up. Like, is there a campsite? And they're like, yeah, there is a campsite. It's like a 30 minute bus ride outside of town. And it's also full because oh. you're not the only person thinking, oh, I'll just camp. And so their policy is you have to get there at 8 a.m. Or no, I guess it was like 10 a.m. Get Be there at 10 a.m. Well, so when people have to check out at 10 a.m., the first person in line gets the spot. So get there at 8 a.m. So you're the first person in line and just wait until 10 a.m. And hopefully somebody checks out. But 
today is the first day of this festival. So the chances that somebody's leaving on the first day are pretty slim. And I was like, well, I don't really like those odds. So I, uh, I went to a internet cafe and started doing my own homework. Like there's gotta be something, you know? And it's like, hmm, no, yeah, uh, people are, people are just as clever as me. I'm not going to find anything that nobody had else had found. And so I started talking to the proprietor of this internet cafe. She was this really uh, friendly lady and, and she was like, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe I'll just like sleep on the beach or something. And she's like, oh, that's terrible. Like, let me find you a place. Let me help you find a place. So she's like calling all her friends like, hey, do you have still have that spare bedroom? No, it's taken too. Like, what about your couch? You know, like anywhere that this guy can stay. And I'm like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. I'll just sleep on the. I'm the only thing I'm worried about is like getting robbed with this giant backpack. So like, right. can I like pay you a couple bucks and throw this backpack in your closet? And then, you know, I'll go out and party all night and get super drunk and pass out on the beach. And like, it won't matter. I won't care that I'm sleeping on the beach. And she's like, uh, yeah, I'll take, I'll watch your backpack. No problem. And so I did exactly that. And, um, I go back the next morning to get my backpack and she's like, you really slept on the beach last night. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I woke up to like the, the sand groomer picking up all the garbage from the <laughs> giant party the night before. And she's like, that's horrible. Like you can't just like sleep on the beach, like a bum. And so she's like calling everybody she can think of. And she's like, oh, I found somebody. Okay, this guy Giuliano has a bed for you. And I'm like, okay. And she like draws me this map. And again, I speak some Spanish to be like, I mean, I learned Spanish in Costa Rica. And so like Spain has totally different Spanish, but it's like, yeah. So it, it was like mostly they could understand what I was saying, but I couldn't necessarily understand what they were saying because, you know, it's like if you learned English in England, you might call it a rubbish bin, whereas here you'd call it a trash can. And so, like, if somebody came up to you and said, hey, where's the rubbish bin? You'd be like, oh, yeah, it's right over there. I wouldn't call it a rubbish bin. Yeah. But, like, if if you told them, like, oh, the trash can is over there, they're like, I don't know what a trash can is. I've never heard that term before. So that's kind of where I was at. And so I'm just like. I get off the bus where this lady had told me to go and it's like a neighborhood. It's not even like a commercial district. And I'm just kind of wandering around this neighborhood. Like anybody I see on the street, I'm like, are you Giuliano? Who's <laughs> Giuliano? I don't know where Giuliano is. And so I finally, I come across this, this place. that has got this big banner that says Hustaval on it. And I was like, I don't care whether that's Giuliano or not. I'm going to see if they got a bed because I'm sick of carrying this giant backpack around. Yeah. And sure enough, this guy Giuliano made a brilliant move. So it's it was like the local rec center, but the town had like given the entire staff the week off for the festival. And so they shut this rec center down. And so he made a deal with them to run a temporary hostel out of the rec center during the festival. And it was all, you know, it already had showers and everything. And he, all he did was buy a bunch of bunk beds and set them up and then sell, sell uh, beds. And it was so perfect because the deal he set up with them is that he only owed them a, a percentage of what he made. So if he made nothing, he owed nothing. So yeah. it was really like no downside yeah. for him. He's like, if I make a bunch of money, awesome. I'll give them their cut. And if I don't make anything, I get to party in San Sebastian, Spain for the biggest party of the year. And so I ended up staying at this hostel for the entire, like, it was a week plus a weekend on both sides. Mm -hmm. So it was like 10 days that I stayed at this hostel. And 
got really got to know the owner. He's a dude from South Africa, pretty smart dude, pretty quirky dude. Um, but anyway, I made a, a really good uh, rapport with him. And so kind of kept in touch after I came back to the United States. And so that next uh, spring, he uh, was going to try the same thing with Oktoberfest in Munich. And he was looking for people to help him set it up. And I was like, I don't, I'm not working. I'll, I'll fly to Germany and, and spend, you know, and he needed me for like a full month. And I was like, yeah, I'll spend a month in Munich. That sounds like a blast. I, I had traveled to Munich when I was there the first time and loved it. I love Munich. It's a great city. So I was like, yeah, I'll go back and make a little money at the same time. Yeah, that's awesome. And have my lodging actually accounted for again during like good luck getting lodging in Munich during Oktoberfest. It's impossible. Yeah. So, um, it was a great opportunity. So how that <laughs> ties into the previous story took a uh, long detour here. So yeah, I ended up, uh, working this thing and I come back to, uh, Colorado and my lease was up on my house, but I like didn't have any reason to believe that the landlord wasn't going to renew, but he slapped me with like, nope not renewing your lease. Uh, we're going to do short-term like Airbnb rentals with your house. So like, you got to be out and you got to be out like it next week. Oh. And so luckily I had a buddy who had a couch for me and, um, and I was just kind of crashing on his couch, um, while I was trying to figure out a better situation. But as you can imagine in a town of 300 people, there's not like a lot of rental inventory. There's not like, just empty houses to go rent. And there's, I mean, the people that live in the few houses that are there don't move. Yeah. So, um, so I was crashing on this dude's couch and I get this, uh, have you ever heard of couchsurfing.com? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I used it a lot when I was in Europe and, um, I felt I needed to like pay it back when I got back to the United States. So I put my couch up and was like, yeah, if you're coming to ski Wolf Creek, let me know. You can crash on my couch. And so I got this like couch surfing requ request, uh, from this girl who lived on the other side of the valley and the San Luis Valley is giant. Like the entire state of Connecticut can fit in the San Luis Valley. So like to say she lived across the valley is like, she was like an hour away from my town. And then that's another half hour up to the ski area. And she was a snowboard instructor and they wanted her to work like the whole Christmas break straight, like every single day. Okay. And she's like, that's, you know, an hour and a half each way every day for like two weeks straight that's pretty rough so she hit me up and was like hey can i just crash on your couch during christmas i see you work at the ski yard also maybe we can commute up the mountain together and i was like i would totally do that if i had a couch but i'm actually crashing on somebody oh, yeah, else's yeah, couch. Yeah. So, so i was like yeah but you know my office is in the like main ticket office building so like stop by and, and um and say hi and we'll you know whatever and uh so she did and like we kind of flirted through the ticket window um, for the rest of the ski season. And then the end of the season party, we finally like hung out and just like totally hit it off. Um, pretty much love at first sight. We uh, next morning, we like went to get breakfast and like both just randomly ordered the exact same thing. We're like, yep, it's meant to be. And um, so we like to joke that like we met online <laughs> But we also met through work. Yes. 
is uh technically she contacted me through couch surfing but she never crashed on my couch and we didn't like it wasn't like a dating site or something no no i don't yeah yeah That's but also I mean. like we worked in completely different departments and never would have met if it wasn't for couch surfing so but uh yeah within like i don't know two months we were living together and uh now we've been together for like uh, almost 11 years so uh, yeah i'm 11 years with my girlfriend um and we met on plenty of fish which is an actual dating site um we both kind of go like back when dating sites weren't as scary Um, oh are they scary now oh yeah i I feel like i've really dodged a bullet never having to do that (laughs) these people that talk about like tender i'm like i i I got nothing just besides what i see in movies i've never been a part of that world yeah so it's it's very it's fascinating to me and i'm like okay like he and i met i mean our first day kind of was our meetup was at love joys of course home that's my oh, home yeah. that's my yeah. home spot <laughs> and uh and she was like drunk but she was like she tells me all the time she's like i knew you were going to be the one i'd probably spend the rest of my life with but she doesn't want to get married because that's just not her thing and i've already i've been married once and i got divorced and i was like i'm not rushing to get married we share a lot of the common bills we own the house together um mm-hmm. but she's like i don't see it i was like fine and she owns the funeral home here in laramie um she bought it a few years back she worked her way up and i was like you know i'm very you know, pro-woman and keep doing it and mm-hmm. you don't have to be married and and we'll be very happy everyone's like why don't you get married i was like because we're happy i don't know <laughs> like yeah not being married and i was like i've been in it and there's some expectations and and stuff that it probably failed you know that's why i'm divorced but i was like i'm cool with that but my mom and her brother because her parents are deceased are always pushing us to get married and my mom and stepdad live in vegas and they're like we can just go right over there it's open all i'm like (laughs) no (laughs) and i was like i'm always like i won't do it without her brother we'll fly him out here right now And, (laughs) and he was like i would have done it too i'm like okay easy there and so but yeah 11 years like this is the longest relationship i've ever been in and you know pretty pretty dang cool that it's mm-hmm. lasted so long so that's another 11 year story 11 years yeah um, yeah well and similar like we didn't get married uh man we got i guess we were together for 10 eight years before we got okay. married so um same same deal like um you know my mom was married like three uh, yeah four times and divorced every single time. So yeah, I didn't have like that great of a view of marriage, yeah. but you know, I, we had a great thing. I didn't want to screw it up, yeah. you know, but don't screw it up by putting a name on it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but you know, she's um, a little bit more traditional and wanted to get married, but it wasn't like a huge uh, rush. But then um, we found our opportunity in 2020. We had a, a pandemic wedding. Oh, okay. So so we were able to like use the public health uh, restrictions as a reason to not have a giant wedding. <laughs> so we just had like a real low key wedding in 2020. And uh, so we've been married like almost three years now. I went to a pandemic wedding. Very. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And it was like, the main area like reception was thing was at a was a, in a barn but every freaking door was like everything was just wide open and yeah it was in kansas and i was like 
this place was a beat a little you know beat off the beaten path so mm-hmm. there's probably not a lot a whole lot of covid going down right now it's not like everybody's driving through this town all the time right. so but it was weird um when we drove out there um went into a convenience store i hadn't been around that many people in a while <laughs> like i would see my girlfriend but I, I was like working at home at the time and i was like filling up a drink like at the fountain drinks and i and i set my drink to the side and these two girls like came up and like stood next to me and i was like oh and i just spill it all over everything and i was like <laughs> just in just embarrassed i filled it and they're just you know two young girls so they're laughing at me and pointing and probably tick tock yeah. me and all that and uh, <laughs> i clean it all up fill it up and i go outside get in the car and i was just like tia i'm weird now like i'm not used <laughs> to be around all these people and it weirds yeah. me out i was comfortable and i spilled my drink all over the place she's like oh, yeah. yeah and and i was like i felt they were a little bit too close and that kind of threw me but i was masked up and all that and i was just like oh wow and 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 so i was like that was the first moment i was like all right all this isolation and in wyoming we didn't have quite the isolation as probably the rest of the world did yeah i was like this is gonna make people crazy and it did and i was like we're just gonna come out of this thing just weirder than ever because we're all used to the screens and real flesh is what we've been told and air that comes out of their mouth is gonna kill us and i was like we're gonna come out of this weird and yeah we are <laughs> yeah no that was a, a prescient uh <laughs> yeah and so yeah, well, go we, ahead. Uh, both both my wife and i work from home now and so yeah we're we're like the, each other are like the only like face-to-face yeah. uh, uh, interactions that we had for a long time <laughs> and what got you guys to idaho from colorado yeah, like I said, uh, Colorado was just getting really okay. overrun and really expensive. We were living in Fort Collins, and oh okay, yeah, well, I guess I should back up again. So, <laughs> so we uh, we were both working at Wolf Creek, and she actually had a different job. Um, she was like a she worked for like a local nonprofit uh, called the Ecosystem Council, but then she just worked up at the ski area teaching lessons in order to get a ski pass. Um, so we like worked through another winter down in Southern Colorado. And then, um, we, I again had the summer off and I was like, you know what I want to do is go to New Zealand for a summer. And she's like, done, quit my job. We went to New Zealand for three months and Australia too. Yeah. But, um, we came back and, uh, did like, a another winter in southern colorado and that was kind of a weird experience because we spent like this whole dark and snowy winter in southern colorado and then just when it started like the days started to get longer it started to warm up we fly to the southern hemisphere and just as the days are getting shorter and it's getting darker and colder and then you know did a whole winter in new zealand and then just as the days were starting to get longer and brighter in new zealand we fly back to colorado and spend a whole and the, the days are getting shorter again so like I don't mind cold weather at all, but man, like three winters in a row, I was ready yeah. for some like 12 hour days <laughs> and like get some vitamin D, man. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, she kind of, you know, she had quit her job to go to New Zealand. And when we uh, were 
finishing up with her trip, she's like, what am I going to do when I get back? Like, I had a job to go back to at the ski resort, oh, but yeah. she didn't. And she was like, I don't really want to just like wait tables or something. What should I do? And so she decided to go back to school and get a second bachelor's degree in engineering. And so she started down in Durango and got, some, again, like some prereqs out of the way. And then after that winter that we had spent um, down in Southern Colorado, it was clear like the engineering degree that she could get down there really wasn't worthwhile. So we're like, well, I guess we got to move somewhere so that she can finish her degree. And so um, Fort Collins was a pretty obvious choice because I have roots there and like, you know, um, it had a good engineering degree that she liked and so close to her family. And so uh, we ended up moving back to Fort Collins. She ended up finishing her degree there. And then she got hired on with a pretty good company um, based out of Boulder, but they had an office in Fort Collins. So that she, you know, we were able to like walk basically from the house to work, which is nice. And we were kind of, you know, I bounced around from job to job and like never really found anything that really fit. And the housing prices were really expensive. We're like, we want to like, buy a house and start putting down roots and like it would just seem so far out of reach in Colorado yeah. and you know we were both really big into snowboarding and from Fort Collins you basically have to drive through Denver and then up I-70 which is notoriously bad traffic yeah. and you know it was just a miserable experience for us we felt like we were like really getting out of touch with nature we're not city people and Fort Collins isn't that big of a city but like I was working in Denver and like commuting into Denver and yeah. it was just just miserable and um she really liked her job and didn't want to quit but we knew that we didn't want to stay in fort collins so we started looking around like what mountain town can we get back to and um you know pretty much everywhere in colorado we were priced out of just yeah. even more expensive than fort collins so we started we opened you know expanded our search criteria and somebody recommended we take a look at north idaho and so she applied for a job here and they flew us out so they could interview her. And we spent like a long weekend just like checking out the place. And we really liked it. We came in the fall and it was really pretty and and the weather was really nice. And so they offered her the job. And so I started looking for a job and found a job. And, um, and so she went to quit and her boss was like, no, we'll do whatever we have to do to keep you from quitting. And she's like, well, I'm moving to Idaho. So you could let me work remotely from Idaho. They're like done. <laughs> so this is in 2007 or 2017. This was in okay. 2017. Well, before it was like a thing. Yeah. So she already, she got like a several year jump on the whole zoom revolution. But wow. uh, yeah, at that point we're like, well, man, if we don't have to take this job and I, we could move anywhere at this point, but yeah. um, this was the only place that I had looked for jobs. So I'd found a pretty decent job and, um, we found affordable housing and, and, uh, yeah, there's a ski area, like 20 minutes from my house and, nice. and, uh, it's a, it's a pretty nice place. So I don't know if you hear much about Idaho news, but it's a weird place. <laughs> <laughs> so Coming from Colorado, yeah, standpoint seems like a really uh, normal place. Like, there's a good mix of like left leaning people, right leaning people, and like nobody's really that extreme. But then, like everything outside of Sandpoint is crazy town, and I mean, all of our politicians are just like complete right wing extremists to the point that they're like 
you know, undermining their own professed values of like small government and things like that. Like we're a small government, but we want to limit the Halloween party that you have because somebody dressed up as a nun or something, you know, (laughs) it's like just complete like wackadoo stuff going on here. Um, So like for Idaho, Sandpoint is like an extremely liberal place. In fact, if you tell somebody from Idaho that you live in Sandpoint, they're like, Oh, those hippies up there in Sandpoint. (laughs) It's like the, the like not even Boulder, but like Nederland of, (laughs) <laughs> of uh idaho yeah the laramie of idaho because i'll tell oh, people in wyoming that i live in laramie and they're like oh yeah they're broke town and i'm like <laughs> sure Does that come I mean, except for like the majority of people who aren't liberal and yeah you know, i was like it's a good mix <laughs> yeah it's got a college here so yeah our indoctrination indoctrination process is going on in this town but yeah it's good uh yeah they call it a liberal town i mean it's still pretty conservative town i mean it's it's the most liberal town in wyoming by any yeah absolutely yeah oh yeah it's still like saying that it's the hottest place in antarctica you know yeah (laughs) there you go there you go yeah definitely (laughs) um same with sandpoint in idaho you know it was i mean it's was a like i have a friend that lives in fort collins and our political views are flip-flopped and he's one of my good friends and he's like how do you do it how do you live in a place where there's just so many people that are off? And I was like, I'm doing work from the inside. That's what I call it. I, was, <laughs> I work at a university. I'm doing it from the inside. And he's like, ah, oh, I see now. <laughs> and I was like, I'm behind enemy lines and I know it and everything. Uh, got one last question for you. Sure. And and I end this with on every show. Uh, since the show is called All My Friends with Justin Flaskrude, how'd we meet? Lovejoys. Definitely Lovejoys. Yeah. Yeah. I was a lurker there, but then I also got hired on as a bouncer. Okay. I was trying to remember if we had like the mutual friends first or you were a bouncer um, too. I knew you were around there a lot. I mean, but, and then you became a bouncer, but I didn't know if I knew you prior to that or I met you through other people. I mean, if you're there, enough i probably yeah you eventually it became yeah. hang out pretty quickly and then i they just hired me on they're like well if you're gonna hang out all the time well you mind sitting by the door and checking ids i'm like sure <laughs> i um when i moved back to laramie in 2003 we were going to love joys all the time a bunch of friends still here it was weird because by 2004 they all moved away i was like what i just moved back and you guys are all leaving uh, i was like i understand everybody's got to leave laramie uh at one point yeah uh so we're going to lovejoys all the time and uh i was like man might as well be a bouncer here because i spend all my money here you know yeah and so i applied for the bounce i walk in i was like hey you know i'm applying for the bouncer job and the manager time was kara and she was like uh you dj at the parlor and i was like yeah that was three four years ago and she's like you're a new dj and i was like what (laughs) and she's like the other dj has got to leave and it worked out perfectly. I saw your application and no, you're not going to be a bouncer. You're the new DJ. I used to come to the parlor underage uh, <laughs> back then and listen to you play. And I was like, well, well now you make me feel like I made a difference. And uh, <laughs> it was the first place. Lovejoys was the first place to advertise me as DJ Rude. I, nice. I was just, my nickname's Rude. I was just Rude that happened to be a DJ when I, when I DJed in college. 
you know, my friends would be like, oh, yeah, I read that the DJ. There was never like DJ. There was no official name to it. And so I just credit her for giving the official name that became DJ Rude and synonymous through time. And and there, there are legit people out there that thought my real name was DJ Rude. Like my first name is DJ, last name Rude. And I was <laughs> DJ. And I was like, that's... I'm pretty sure that's how you were introduced to me was DJ Rude. But I, yeah. I knew it wasn't your your birth certificate name yeah yeah i mean my yeah I, my older sister had the nickname first by a, a former coach of ours her track coach my football coach and that was in oregon then i moved to laramie did not bring with me did not ask anybody to call me rude uh, about my sophomore year it picked up because flask rude is so hard to spit out when you're on a like a playing field or whatever and you my yeah. just like flat, rude you're just rude now and i'm like yeah okay and then hey whatever rude we'll just shorten it to rude yeah <laughs> and and it was awesome in football if i made a big play on defense or whatever or when i was introduced you the whole crowd would go rude and my dad was you could, he was shooting a video one time we playing and he's like are they booing and i was and watch it later and i was like they're rooting. I just had a sack. They're, They're rooting that play. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's cool. Nice. He's like, his nickname was Flash because he was fast. And I was like, I'm not fast. I'm, I'm rude. So, yeah. There yeah. you go. Well, I want to thank you uh, for giving me your time and being on the show. It was, it was just great catching on, up and learning. Yeah, thanks for your chat. I want to thank Kyle for being on the show. Now, if you didn't catch it in the episode, I learned the term forest bathing and I learned the three types of fun. All right, folks, on to the next episode. All my friends. All my friends, all my friends with Justin Plaskarud. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Plaskarud.